Welcome to this podcast. My name is Cooper Zale, and this is the introduction to my reading of my autobiographical novel, Two Inch Heels, based on my 11-week backpacking trip through Western Europe in the fall of 1973. I was just 18 years old, a shy kid, though with some pluck and delusions of grandeur, and I ended up doing most of the journey on my own, though that had certainly not been my original intention. That journey turned into an odyssey of sorts, including high points and low, and explorations of geography both external and within my own soul. It served as a coming of age for me, a transition from a kid who always dreamed of doing something big but was often afraid to try, to a person who threw himself in the deep end and was actually able to swim the length of a very big metaphorical pool. Though as a youth, I always tried to chart my own course as much as I could, I still reported to school each fall, looking forward to release from that institution that coming June. The ever-incrementing next year of school was the cadence of my life and the lives of all the other kids I grew up with. And in September of 1972, after graduating the previous June from Pioneer High in my hometown of Ann Arbor, Michigan, I continued on the standard path and went off for my first year of college with the conventional expectation that I would spend the next four years doing that. But though I made it through my first year and got good grades, I was burnt out on the whole endless school thing and longed to do something completely different, as Monty Python would say. My singular backpacking journey through Western Europe gave this shy but plucky kid the courage and agency, five years later in 1978, to move from my oh-so-familiar and friendly college hometown of Ann Arbor to big, bad Los Angeles. Basically on my own again, to try to conjure up a real adult life for myself in that mega city and its tinsel town. A city that Bob Seeger, Jim Morrison, and the post-Smokey Robinson miracles, among others, were singing about. And I did conjure a life for myself in L.A., though at times it was its own odyssey, certainly worthy of its own autobiographical novel at some point in the future. I rattled around in low-level jobs in the TV and film business for a couple of years. I then reinvented myself as a male feminist, activist, and community organizer. In the process, I met the woman who was my soulmate and became my life partner. To have the money to start a family, I reinvented myself again as a computer software designer, later systems analyst and business analyst. She and I married and raised two kids, who did not end up following the standard schooling path that both their mom and I had, but managed to conjure up their own adulthoods in big, crazy L.A. So now in 2021... I'm finally recording this story of my 11-week journey backpacking through Europe back in 1973, nearly five decades after it happened. It took me five years between 2015 and 2020 to write this thing, working on weekends and days off from my paid job as a business analyst for a health insurance company. And reconstructing my journey was only possible because of an extensive diary I kept during my trip. In that diary, I recorded a lot of details about where I went and what I saw, but unfortunately very little about the array of intriguing and inspiring people I met along the way. They were a cohort of characters from different parts of the world, mostly part of my own emerging baby boom generation. 
So to make this mostly autobiographical tale more of a fun story to write, and hopefully to read or listen to in this case, I used my ever-active imagination to invent most of the other people I encounter on my journey. I hope you find them as interesting a crew of colorful characters in the listening as I found them in the writing. They must stand in for all those real people I met on my journey that did not get recorded in my diary. Just as one example, in a diary entry from my time in Grindelwald up in the Swiss Alps, I had just a quick mention that I met a lot of interesting young women there. I turned that one phrase into the extensive characters of Monica, Ragna, and Beth, who you will meet a little more than halfway through my opus, if we both get that far in this telling. Beyond those three, there are an array of other characters, male and female. A few actually recorded in my diary, but mostly fabricated, that you will meet in the telling of this tale. As you may notice, I seem to have developed a particular penchant for bigger-than-life, some even badass female characters. But that's just me. So due to this addition to my tale, and these denizens of my imagination, this memoir has transitioned into what is more accurately an autobiographical novel. And truth be told, I like it that way. Particularly those young women I invented have become as real in my mind as any other facet of this story. I also want to note that I have salted the sung lyrics of rock, folk, and pop songs I grew up with throughout the story, at least one lyrical reference in virtually every chapter. As a youth, I grew up in a great flowering of music in the 1960s and early 1970s, played on radios, on stereos, or heard in stores or restaurants, or even live in concert. Some of the great singers and bands of the day became the Greek chorus of my life, providing me with their lyrical short sermons of wisdom to help me navigate the changing world of that time period and my own continuing evolution. In my earlier youth, it was Petula Clark and all the powerful Motown music from nearby Detroit, the Supremes, the Vandellas, Smokey Robinson, Marvin Gaye, to name a few. Then in my later youth, the folk and rock bands, Bob Dylan, Simon and Garfunkel, and of course the Beatles. By the time I started my journey through Europe, I had internalized so much of that music that I could pretty much play and hear a wide variety of songs in my head. It is my mind's jukebox, as it were, and during my travels, it was either consciously invoked or subconsciously triggered to provide me support, solace, and occasional wisdom to aid me in my journey. Interestingly, what ended up as my solo journey was actually the brainchild of my two best female friends, who I've renamed as the characters Lane and Angie. As an aside, I've renamed all my friends and other peers in my writing, since I am putting my own guesses at the motivations in their heads and my own words on their lips. These are now my own characters, which I'll say are inspired by my various real comrades. But back to Lane and Angie. They planned it as their backpacking journey to Europe. But when I finally heard about it, it sounded so much more compelling than yet another year of school, college in this case, that I cajoled them into letting me tag along. 
Then due to circumstances, Lane could not go, and Angie dropped out after that first week in England. Feeling my tenuous self-esteem could not handle bailing on the remainder of the journey, I continued on my own, on what was at times a lonely ordeal, and finally that singular odyssey that you're about to hear, if I ever finish this intro. The story is told in 50-plus chapters, encompassing the key moments in my journey through England, Germany, Switzerland, Luxembourg, Belgium, France, Spain, Italy, and the Netherlands. It includes the people I met, both those recorded in my diary and many others reimagined from a brief reference, plus, of course, the places and things I saw that impacted me the most. Being shy, I was generally more of a listener than a talker. But especially when I was traveling on my own, that basic need for human companionship pushed me to overcome that shyness and reach out to others, as I realized they were reaching out to me for similar reasons. I also tended to hash things over in my mind, often to the point of overthinking, and I try to capture some of that ongoing internal monologue. It was in that monologue, overthought at times, where my developmental process mostly plays out. You will note that my writing style is not the least bit journalistic. I love long sentences and multiple clauses. I'm all about noticing and capturing the intimate physical and intuitive detail. What some other writers might cover in three sentences, I might take three pages to fully capture the context, the external details, and my internal thought process around and between the actions of the scene. I was throughout my journey a lonely, homesick traveler, often on the edge of bailing and returning to the States, but pushed on by fear of once again, like so many times before in my life, bailing on a challenging experience and not living up to my own expectations. So I was constantly looking for any and every inspiration to keep going until I could return home the storied traveler. I was buoyed in that effort by the music I grew up with, mostly playing from memory in my mind's own jukebox, including bits of powerful and poetic lyrics. I was also inspired by the fellow travelers I met along the way, who shared an agency I did not fully appreciate that I had. Through their eyes, I saw a new persona emerging for myself that included the tall strut in my walk when I wore my two-inch heels, dressier shoes that I just happened to bring, along with my newly purchased hiking boots that never got properly broken in and continued to hurt my feet throughout the trip. So in the episodes that follow, here is Two Inch Heels, an autobiographical novel of my 11-week odyssey backpacking through Western Europe in 1973 at age 18, written and read by me, Cooper Zale. I hope you enjoy the journey. (laughs) 